Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Serie A Football Fancast. It's another year of Serie A action. I'm Drew Farmer stepping in tonight for Forza Italian Football on the podcast, and I'm joined by two very qualified men to talk about the season ahead, Luca Gunby and Nicholas Carroll. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight, and how was your summer holiday? I'm, I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, it's been a, has, actually, it hasn't been too bad of a summer holiday. We obviously had the Euro 2016, so that was good to fill some of the empty space there. But um, no, I'm excited for the new Serie R season, ready to get back into it. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well as well. I didn't necessarily enjoy the Euros that much after Italy went out. I thought it got a bit weak after that, but I went to Italy for a bit, saw absolutely no football during the summer and didn't have to worry about that. But now looking forward to it starting up again. Well, excellent stuff, gentlemen, as the season kicks off this week. And before we get to that, real quickly, I've been handed down a little edict from the editor-in-chief of Forza Italian Football, Mr. Connor Clancy. Uh, Forza Italian Football, from the beginning of this new season, will be primarily features-based, and the website will be moving away from the more news-focused orientation that it's been having. Uh, And don't get us wrong, there will be plenty of news on the website this year, but uh, not as much as in the past, and the website will be featuring... Some wonderful features every day from writers such as Luca Gunby and Nicholas Carroll. So be sure to check out Forza Italian Football for that. But gentlemen, let's get on to talk about some of the the things that have happened over the summer. And I guess the the place we have to start is in Turin with Juventus, uh, who I believe there was a little bit of some transfer news there, Luca. A a man by the name of Paul Pogba has has left, apparently. Oh, I did. uh, It was quite hard to keep up with all that. I didn't really... uh see it getting much coverage but uh, <laughs> yeah obviously that's a big change then even Morata before that I think it was always somewhat inevitable that it was going to happen and 
I think they've obviously done very well to get Pjanic in. They've got their replacements in early. They're certainly prepared. And then that's not without even touching in on the uh, other big signing up in Turin for the Bianconeri. Yes, Nicholas, uh, they've also made that big signing of Gonzalo Higuain. Now, before we get on to talking about him, how do you think that the loss of Pogba to Manchester United, how will that affect Juventus going forward this season? Um, I mean, it's it's obviously a big loss when you consider what he's done in the past and the kind of player he's been for them. But, I mean, when you've got Pjanic coming in from Roma, um, obviously very different players um, in their own rights. But he can very much, I mean, for Roma, he's been very much that person who can provide from the midfield. And he can very much, um, almost a bit more flexible even in the midfield, Pjanic, I find. So, um, I mean, it's it's it's... There's there's not a player that they could have uh, gotten in that w- would have been better than Pjanic. So, I mean, while as big as Pogba leaving is, um, it, strangely enough, you're looking at Juventus and you're saying that they're quite possibly a stronger side this season, which just seems insane. But, I mean, that's kind of what we're all staring down. Well, as we kind of mentioned just a minute ago, there was another big transfer that uh, that uh, arrived at Juventus, and that was Gonzalo Higuain. He comes in after leaving Napoli. Luca, is this the biggest move that uh, Juventus could have made after losing Pogba? Uh, well, I guess it was slightly before, though. Obviously, the Pogba thing was already wrapped up, you'd assume. Uh, yeah, it certainly is. Just the ability to sort of disrespect the direct rival and their supporters with such ease just to sign their top striker, their idol, the man who could have replaced Maradona. And it was a fact that they didn't even really seem to necessarily need a centre-forward that much. You, like They already had Dybala who was going places. It's a lot of money. It's, to a certain extent, something of a gamble. There's been jibes that he's overweight. I think it's just perhaps the kind of symbolism of it, just for them to get someone from their rivals and to make it seem like Serie A is over already, that they're so dominant. That's kind of what's more interesting, the subtext, rather than necessarily what he brings to the team. And they obviously bought him from Napoli in the in the summer, who finished just nine points behind Juventus at the end of last season. Now, Napoli losing Higuain... Nicholas, do you think that they have any kind of a shot at catching Juventus as we go into the new season uh, this weekend? Uh, honestly, no. But, I mean, you know, I've been trying to... It's been a bit of doom and gloom when um, with the whole Juventus saga and bringing in the likes of Higuain, obviously, with, for ridiculous money, and then Pjanic. Um, and, I mean, myself as an Inter supporter, you're kind of looking at and you just don't see a way that there's any other conclusion but Juventus... Uh, championship. So, you know, trying to look at it in a positive spin, you know, Napoli, um, you know, mostly still you take away Higuain, obviously, but, um, you know, that's still that same framework, that same team. Um, They have a lot of attacking talent, obviously. And I mean, their preseason, they've been um, thumping the goals in uh, like, what, 4-1 over Hertha Berlin, 5-0 Monaco, 3-0 Nice. Um, So, I mean, their attacking talent uh, behind Higuain, I guess, Everyone was aware of it. It's just whether um, their service is going to be good enough for the likes of um, Dini and obviously Milik, who's coming now. Um, obviously, defence was always a worry for them last season, and I think their depth is still 
um, probably where they're lacking the most, um, particularly when they look at um, Gulam and Kulabali, who will uh, most probably be unavailable in January for the African Nations Cup. That's a, a that's a quite a big worry for the for the the middle of their defence. When um, I mean, if if it is, if it's if it as it was last season at that time, they were very much in the in the title fight. So, one month of um, their central defence away in Africa, it's uh, it's not going to bode well. That could very much make the difference, whether it be in a title fight or a fight for the Champions League spots. So, um, their depth is very much a worry for me. I do think as well it's a very good thing for Napoli and possibly even more so Italy if Gabbiadini can get some regular playing time, as you would assume that he will now, because he's a very good player and he was unlucky to be stuck there behind Higuain with just no space in that system. And then he'd do well in the odd game he did manage to get on for a few minutes and then he just wouldn't get back in the team because he is a very good player. And uh, Italy as a national team as well, perhaps the strikers aren't necessarily the strongest. And I do feel that if he'd been playing regularly in the league, you would certainly have been in the squad for Euro 2016. And Nicholas had mentioned Milik just a second ago. He was signed in the off-season by Napoli from Ajax, and uh, that was for around 35 million euros uh, he signs. And he had a, a pretty good season last year, 21 goals and 31 appearances for Ajax. Luca, I think that's a pretty good uh, replacement for Higuain. Uh, on paper, yeah, it seems to be. Uh, like To be honest, I've never really seen him play other than in the Euros, where he did miss a lot of chances, but... He's a young player. You would assume that he's able to develop. And obviously Ajax are a, a very good team at developing young talent. I think, especially in England, there's always a bit of scepticism about strikers from the era de Vizie, But I think that Napoli seem very keen on getting him, as also exemplified by the amount of money they spent on him. So you would assume that he'll be able to do well. I guess uh, Inter might have some plans to stop him with Frank Taboo there now as he'll know him but otherwise you would assume that he's a good player and it's just uh, to see if he can sort of really kick on and fill those big boots of Higuain Well we'll get on to Inter here in just a little bit guys um, Moving down looking at last season's table the third place finishers Roma who were uh, in action uh, tonight in the Champions League um, they've made uh, not too many moves in the off season. Um, really solidifying or, or bringing in uh, Mohamed Salah and uh, Stefan El Shirawi on permanent deals. Um, Nicholas, what do you think about their off-season? And do you think Roma can really make a, a push to to overtake Juventus this season? Or is it just going to be a, a fight for the Champions League places? Yeah, again, I mean, I, I'm looking at the team and it just it looks like a weaker team than they started with last season. Um, obviously, as I've mentioned, Pjanic is a massive loss. He was the equal top um, assists for the uh, for the Serie A last season with Pogba, mind you, um, on twelve. So, and he contributed ten goals along the way. So, I mean, twenty two goals in total that he's had a hand in there. Um, and there's no one really there that they've kind of got to help fill that spot. It's um, and then the defense again. Last year there were a lot of questions. Um, I mean, the the transfer of. Uh, Juan Jesus from uh, Inter is confusing me. He's, um, it seems like for seasons, a couple of seasons, Inter's been trying to get rid of him, and um, I'm not sure what Roma has in plan with him. He just, uh, while I, I like him, um, I don't think he's a bad player. I just don't think he's up to that, up to the standard of the teams who are supposed to be playing for Champions League 
spots or um, ideally for the title. So, um, yeah, I, they look like a weaker team to me than they started with last season, unfortunately. Yeah, signing also sort of your Federico Fazio isn't the most inspiring move. I think Bruno <laughs> Perez is quite a yes, yeah. smart addition, but otherwise they don't really seem to be much stronger. But I guess sometimes sort of continuity can help. If that can help the coach really get the team playing how he wants. That could make a difference. But in terms of the squad, it doesn't seem able to bridge that gap. Luca, would you say that they have an idea of how they want to build the squad, or is this more of just a, a bit of a patchwork team that they keep putting pieces and pieces together with no real identity? I don't think there is really that strong an identity. I think that's kind of the case with a lot of Italian sides. They don't really tend to buy players for sort of a few years in the future. It's sort of just let's see what we're missing right now the most pressing weakness in the side and just fill that gap but I don't know obviously there's still a bit of the transfer window left to go I, I, don't, I still don't think they've really got a striker that's really going to be good enough for that team and they can't really count on Totti to keep coming on from the bench and scoring but <laughs> uh, I guess Spalletti thinks that I don't know I'd assume he's happy enough with what he's got and that he can get the most out of them but they don't really seem to have been able to create a team where it's that obvious what they're trying to do. Well, guys, let's move on to Nicholas's team, and that's Inter, who have made quite a few signings this season. Um, one of the most notable ever, Benega, making a move from Sevilla on a free transfer. And uh, perhaps the most notable was the fact that just a couple of days ago, Roberto Mancini was dismissed from being coach at Inter, and Frank de Boer has come in to take over. Nicholas, as an Inter, as an Inter fan, what are your thoughts on this move uh, replacing Mancini at this moment? Uh, it's uh, the, the off-season for me as an Inter fan has been uh, a bit of a circus, to be honest. It's been quite uh, frustrating. I mean, to, there were obviously problems with Mancini um, since the new owners came in, um, but to have him leave 13 days before the new season is just, I mean, the the fans, I think, deserve a lot more than that. It's it's just unheard of for a team that's supposed to be, again, a, a team that's ideally supposed to be challenging for the title um, and more realistically challenging for a Champions League spot, which we're trying to get back into. So um, the timing was awful, no doubt. Um, you know, in saying that, trying to look at the positives, Dubois obviously has a, a great record. It is a risk um, coming across to the Serie A with no experience. So, um, you know, can only hope for the best in that regard. But um, transfer-wise, you know, as you mentioned, there has been some positives. Eva Beniga is, I think, one of the signings of the season, how we got him um, for the, for that amount, well, for no amount, um, is amazing. I think he'll be a great asset. Um, but I have a lot of concern and uh, it seems to be a common thing with Inter that we keep throwing this money out almost ad hoc um, every transfer window for these attacking players, yet our defence is, you know, it's not up to standard and we've seen that well, in the friendlies that we've had, obviously friendlies you can only take so much from it, but when when you're losing 6-1 to Tottenham, 4-1 to Bayern Munich, and, I mean, they just looked completely out of place. Um, it's a concern. It's a major concern. So 
I would like to see some more money spent in uh, reinforcing our back line. One transfer I did miss uh, off my notes was the addition of Antonio Candreva for 22 million euros. Look, is that a, a good signing? And is he going to really improve that attack at Inter? Yeah, I think so. He was very good for Italy in the Euro, so he should be in form, although then he did pick up a knock. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back from that, but I think he should have had enough time to recover. And what was it? I think 22 million euros. That's not too much money in the current climate for a player of his sort of experience and talent. So I think that's a yeah, I think that's a very sensible strike, um, signing from Inter, and I'd expect that they should uh, reap the rewards of that. It'd just be interesting to see how De Boer uses him. I think sort of De Boer's kind of got that kind of reputation of being a sort of quite ideological coach, kind of has a very sort of set possession controlling it idea of how he wants to play. So it'd be interesting to see how he uses it in Draper, but I think he's a good player and they've done well to get him for that money. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we already saw in the Celtic game, actually, a 2-0 win over Celtic. He, he, it was a, an amazing finish that he um, put in there for his opening opening goal for Inter. Um, and obviously the other one, I guess, is, well, it looks like uh, Inter will be holding on to Akadi, which is obviously a massive bonus. So, I mean, if you're looking at that attacking four, I mean, it looks an incredible lineup. But like I said, I think it's the... The lineup behind that—that's the the main concern. Uh, moving on to Fiorentina, who finished in fifth at the end of last season. Not a lot going on in Fiorentina as they prepare for uh, a campaign in the Europa League as well as in Serie A. It looks like they're maybe just keeping things a little bit steady uh, going in uh, to this season. Uh, they did bring in Davide Astori from Cagliari uh, as well as Christian Tello from Barcelona. Nicholas, any thoughts on Fiorentina as they prepare for this new season? Yeah, it's one of those ones. It's a, it's a bit kind of. Um, there's not a lot to inspire out there. Um, I have a, quite a few friends that are Fiorentina fans, and um, they are a bit frustrated with the lack of activity. Um, I guess mainly off the back of last season. You know, obviously they did finish further down later on in the season, but at times they were up leading the championship, and it was somewhat of a, a breakthrough for the team as um, almost kind of making their mark as one of those. Uh, one of those top teams for possibly for years to come. So off the back of that, it would have been good to actually see them invest a bit to try and keep that, um, keep them there at the top um, amongst the other clubs. So it's um, obviously um, buying a story outright and keeping him there is a was obviously a good move. So, but otherwise, there's not a lot going on there. So um, yeah, I'm not. I don't have a lot of um, positive outlooks for Fiorentina. I don't. I, I don't think they'll be near the Champions League positions with their squad at the moment, unfortunately. But yeah, it would have been good to see them kick on from last season. I'd hope as well that they give Giuseppe Rossi a bit of a chance now he's back from his loan at Levante because I, I just think he's a good player. Basically, I don't know why they were so impatient with him. They sort of stuck by him with, when he was injured and then they loaned him off to Spain. So I think if they give him a chance to have another go at playing for Fiorentina because he seems to care and I think he's a good player. So no, it seems foolish to get rid of him unless uh, they really need to, in my opinion. Well, guys, just to round out uh, the first part of our podcast tonight, our return, uh, the Serie A football fan cast return for the season, um, let's talk about just a couple of more teams uh, the first being Sassuolo, who will begin their first Europa League campaign 
this season after a fantastic sixth place finish last season. And Nicholas, what do you think uh, about this team? Are they good enough to compete on both fronts this season? Yeah, it's it's a big question for them. I've kind of been I watched um, quite a bit of their Europa qualification matches as well. Um, it's yeah, it's it's interesting to see what Eusebio Di Francesco can do here. Um, obviously, it, it's uh, incredible that they've managed to keep Berardi around. So that'll be a huge plus for them going forward. Um, yeah, I. I'm not sure how they're going to cope with the Europa League and the Serie A at the same time. Obviously, a new club to to that. So it'll be interesting to see how he manages that. I don't think they have the depth to kind of um, transition between the, the squad too much. So it's going to be a big test for them. Um, the players are going to have to be fit and ready for it. So... Um, you know, I think they can. I think they can put up a decent fight in Europe. I don't think there'll be any um, a rollover by any means. So it'd be good to see them get as far as possible. But in terms of the Serie A, I think it might be asking too much for them to replicate last season's position. Um, but you know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. And they've still got the uh, tough test as well. The Europa League playoff against Red yes. Star. Then they, I think that's kind of like the epitome of a hostile atmosphere going yeah. to Belgrade. So I, I guess that in their sort of directors' minds, they're going to want to wait and see how that goes. And but yeah, if you'd think they're a good team, they could surprise a few. I don't think people abroad necessarily know much about Sassuolo. It's not a well-known club really, but obviously they've been well run and able to surprise a lot in Italy. So you'd maybe expect them to keep doing it in Europe for a little while if they can get past Red Star. You go back to that first season when they sacked Eusebio Di Francesco midway through that season and they brought him back. And, you know, this could have been a a very different team, guys, if they wouldn't have brought him back uh, when they did. Um, And now we see them in the the Europa League. So, you know, hats off to that club and and everything that they've really built uh, over these last few years in Serie A. Di Francesco's sons also just signed for Bologna this summer, so they could have a bit of a local derby between father and son, so that could be quite interesting. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, we do have a question off of Twitter from at Mark Malbus, and he asks, guys, who do we think will be the Sassuolo of this year? I think um, it won't, possibly won't be to the same extent um, as Sassuolo's rise, but I think uh, Torino have a really exciting team uh, this season, obviously with Andrea Bellotti, the youngster com- that's been coming through over the last couple of seasons, um, and bringing in the likes of Adam Laich and Iago Falke, um, there's a lot of attacking talent there. And um, I think Mihalovic, as obviously as the new coach there, um, as very much of, of, as a, mot- a motivator, um, a motivating coach, I guess you could say. I think he's he's the one that could potentially bring the most out of them, the players that have kind of not really. Field, um, lived up to their potentials at other clubs. So um, I think Torino could be a, a shining light this season. Um, obviously, Kamil Glick was a big loss in defence. But um, again, if Mihalovic can motivate that defence to um, step it up a notch, I think they could be a, somewhat of a surprise, um, maybe pushing for that Europa position. And um, the other one I would say, not so much um, for the top half of the of the table, but I think Cagliari are an interesting one, obviously coming from Serie B, uh, topping the Serie B last season, 
they've signed some uh, very experienced players in Marco Borriello, Simone Padoin from Juventus and Bruno Alves, uh, Euro 2016 winner now. Um, that's a lot of experience there, um, which I think it's a smart move for a team that's coming up from the Serie B. Obviously, a lot of players that won't have that experience at the top level. So I think they can possibly uh, inspire those people and motivate those the youngsters around them to and make that transition a lot easier. So I, I don't I, – I think um, if they get it right, they can – they should be able to um, get away from that scrap for the relegation zone and maybe, um, you know, fight towards the for a top half position. Maybe if things go well. Yeah, I definitely agree that as well that uh, Torino have uh, what they need in place to really try and push on. And uh, another team, I think that it's maybe worth keeping an eye on uh, Bologna because obviously Donadoni is going to get a full season in charge now and he did very well last season I think like from New Year's till I don't know sort of just a few weeks off the end of the uh, season like their form would have had them qualified for the Champions League under Don and Dermy and then it kind of fell away a bit at the end once uh, they knew they were staying up but they, they seem to have also made some Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast sensible signings in these sort of young Eastern European players. They've got Krejci from Sparta Prague and Adam Nagy, who was uh, impressive for Hungary in the Euros. I think, uh, and obviously they've still got Destro leaning the line. So I think they could uh, have a decent season and look above them instead of sort of worrying about the drop. Some very good choices, gentlemen. And I quite like what Torino's done over the summer. And I think they're going to be a, quite a good team uh, this season. Um, one last team to talk about, guys, here. Uh, of course, we have to talk about AC Milan. We have a lot of fans out there that listen that, that love AC Milan. And, uh, again, another turbulent summer for the club. New coach, again, Vincenzo Montella, comes in, taking over for Mihailovic, who was sacked at the, towards the end of last season. So, Luca, what do you think about Montella and what are his chances at uh, AC Milan turning them around? Um, in some ways, it's a bit of a strange one because he didn't, really succeed in any 
way winning Ventus Amador. I think their record was worse under him than it was under Zenga. And Zenga was getting a lot of stick from the fans as well. But I think, obviously, at Milan, he's going to have more resources. He can try to be a bit more proactive in implementing a style of play. I think Lapadula is a good addition to the team and sort of a bit of an unknown quantity in Serie A with something to prove. Um, yeah, and obviously all the ownership kind of turmoil should be over and I don't think it's the, necessarily going to be the case that they're going to just be able to buy all these brilliant players now and sort of romp away but I think he'll slowly come back to Milan and they should slowly get their way back up the table it might be a bit difficult but I think if they show some faith in Montel he should be able to give them what they want because in the past that's always been the problem even like Mihailovic, Matt coaches like that, they've failed, but they've been uh, not really given very much time. But it'd be interesting to see if that changes now that Berlusconi's gone, who was obviously famously hands-on and perhaps uh, getting in people's way. Luca, you mentioned Lapadula. He arrives from Pescara for 9 million euros. He's 26 years old. Now, what, what do we know about this player? Because as you were saying, he's a bit of an unknown quantity in Serie A. Uh, yeah, he seemed, I think he had a very slow route to uh, success. I think he played in Slovenia for a bit before really getting going in Pescara, and he's been all around the Italian lower leagues. And yeah, I think he's very determined. He seems very hardworking to have made it at 26. And I guess you've got a few players like that elsewhere. Sort of, you've had the I don't know, like Pavoletti, who sort of come out of nowhere and really taking things by storm because I think in some ways Serie A can be quite stagnant. You sort of get the same players bouncing around between clubs and they don't necessarily always take a chance on someone new. And his record in Serie B was second to nine. He seemed to score every week for Pescara. So, uh, yeah, I think he should be able to do well for the Rossoneri. Well, Milan looks to be his 12th team since turning pro in 2007, former Juventus product in their Primavera. Moving on now, guys, sticking with AC Milan here. They've also brought in Jose Sosa uh, from Bechitas for 7.5 million euros. Uh, Gustavo Gomez also arrives from Lanús in Argentina for 8.5 million. Nicholas, what are your thoughts on Milan and, and can they fight for a Europa League spot this year? Because the Champions League has to be a, a reach too far. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. Um, obviously, I'm always very mindful as an Inter fan. I try very hard not to be biased at all. But AC Milan, for the last couple of years, have just they don't do anything for me um, as a football team. They're just there's that still that I think we, we spoke about identity previously. Um, I think AC Milan's the prime candidate for just lacking that identity. Um, and while um, I Obviously, Gianluca Lapadula, I think that's a fantastic signing. I really think he's someone that could um, do something in Serie A. I'm really interested to interested to see what he can do um, after, what, I think it was 27 goals last year in Serie B. But, I mean, and they've brought in these other players um, somewhat stopgaps. I'm not sure, you know, I, I just I feel like AC Milan just lacked that player to build the team around. I mean, it's it's almost like the last few years they've been trying to do that around Ricardo Montalivo, and that just, I mean, we've all seen what he's produced the last couple of years, which really hasn't been up to the standard of 
what Milan should be producing. So um, I, I'm not. I, I their midfield I don't think has enough to to match it with some of the other some of the other opponents. Um, last season I think Bertolacci has way too much pressure on him. Um, a lot of it from the lack of um, technical ability of Montalivo um, in some respects. So, um, you know, I don't want to all be doom and gloom, but there's just not a lot there to excite me. Um, I, I, As you mentioned, I don't think they're a chance for Champions League. Um, Europa League, they should be able to get that together, you would think. But... Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things with AC Milan, and in a, in a way, it's similar to Inter. It seems to be that same kind of transition, and then every year, it's okay. This is this is the new project that we're building. It starts from here, the new era, and it's just that continual loop. And I just um, it doesn't seem like they're getting anywhere anytime soon. So, but um, as Luca also mentioned, with Berlusconi leaving, maybe that'll take the pressure off. I definitely think his pressure on the the managers. Um, hasn't helped the situation so I think if Montella can be given some freedom that'll certainly help to to actually build his own AC Milan team which might help to create that some sort of identity. Okay guys let's just move on tonight and have a look at the Champions League playoff qualifiers uh, and it was Roma playing Porto, and that finished 1-1 in Porto. Roma scoring first, uh, thanks to an own goal from Philippe. Uh, but on 41 minutes, it was Thomas Vermaelen being sent off for his second yellow card offence. And uh, it was pretty much all Porto from there. Got back into the game thanks to a penalty just after the hour mark. And uh, Porto really had a, a, quite a few more chances to score. Uh, a controversial call at one time. Uh, just before that penalty was taken, a goal ruled out. But, Luca, Roma started out pretty well, but then uh, they struggled as things went on during the night. Um, yeah, I guess they did struggle. They didn't perhaps capitalise on their early dominance, and obviously their finishing wasn't really there, seeing as it took a home goal for them to go up. But I think overall it's... Uh, perfectly solid result they'll be happy with that. I think saw at the end Spalletti sort of gave a little fist bump as the uh, as the final whistle went they had to hang on a bit but uh, a score draw away from home in a two-legged ties perfectly good result I think they'll be happy with it I think Allison in goal looked a bit nervy a few times he perhaps punched when he could have caught but obviously it's just the start of the season and I think early on there was a lot of encouraging signs there for them and Obviously, in Rome, they've got a home advantage and they won't have to play with 10 men. So they seem to be in good shape if they can match what they uh, did. And in the end, they were pragmatic enough to just hold on to the 1-1 draw and say that's good enough. Nicholas, Thomas Vermaelen making his debut for the club, not doing so uh, so well on that debut, being sent off in the 41st minute. Yeah, not the way you want to start your career in the Serie well, not the Serie A, but with the... With Roma, um, it, interesting, Vermal and obviously the new centre-back got the red card, but um, the penalty was actually um, because of an Emerson handball as well, obviously, who's come in from Santos on loan. So, um, yeah, not the best start to their um, stays in Rome. Um, <laughs> there was, um, I think, uh, just looking at a quote that's just coming out, Luciano Spalletti saying, 
tonight confirmed I have a great side. Um, you know, <laughs> questionable, but um, as you said, before the red card, I think they certainly looked up to the task and they looked the better team. So the Vermeulen incident changed the game from there. So it's hard to really get a feel for how, you know, how they were over the 90 minutes. But a lot of positives there, I think, that can be taken out from that and uh, a one a one all um, result away is certainly not a bad result. So all things considered, I think they'd be um, Rome would, Roma would be the happiest of the two. I don't know about you guys, but I thought Kevin Strootman looked quite good tonight. Uh, and again, after all those injury woes that he had over the last few years, uh, it's good to see him back. Yeah, he's, he's been somewhat of a forgotten, um, forgotten element of the Roma squad. Um, Obviously, before the injuries, he was, uh, I mean, such a force in that in that midfield. So um, it's good to see him back and playing well. And, I mean, I guess that does add another element. I mean, it's almost like a new player if, if he can have an injury-free season uh, for Roma. So it's a positive. I think he had um, by far the most tackles in the game. So he's um, very much back at to back up to what he's, um, what he's known for, uh, providing that defensive reinforcement in in midfield so um yeah it's good to see him back and healthy well these two teams will play the return leg in rome next week on the 23rd next tuesday that is and uh look do you think that rome are going to see this through do you think that uh you know maybe they'll have a, a little bit of a i guess you could say maybe an easier time of it next week uh hopefully they can keep all 11 men on the pitch yeah i, I do think that they are certainly in the driver's seat the only uh, perhaps concern that I would have is that I think sometimes it's quite difficult for teams in a way once they know they're slightly ahead they're perhaps not entirely sure what they should be doing and how much they should be going for things but yeah I think with 11 players they certainly look the better team and if they can just get that going again I think obviously the main worry then the one thing to really try not to do is just not play this sort of really reactive negative brand of football where you're just trying to hang on to the draw but I don't really see any reason why they would do that and I think that if they're just at least remotely positive then they should be in a good position to get through to the group stage all right well to finish tonight guys we're going to just talk a little bit about uh again the upcoming season some of the transfers again and to finish with uh, take a few questions off of twitter and um, we've been asked a question by Martin Carter on Twitter, at MartinCarter17. And look, he wants to know, what are the three best signings so far this season uh, in Serie A? Uh, I mentioned my two Bologna ones earlier, which I'm a bit fond of. But uh, I guess Pjanic to Juventus, probably more so than Higuain. I think he's a bigger player. And again, they're weakening a direct rival, then I think uh, Alberto Poloski could do very well for Atalanta. He always seems to score a lot for the slightly lesser Serie A sides. And Atalanta always seems to have a sort of fairly well-known striker who scores a lot. And, uh, oof, otherwise... And Keep in mind, Atalanta have a new coach this season, Gian Piero Gasparini, moving from Genoa to there. So one of the many changes going into this season uh, as coach. Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one, that, actually, because he seemed to be, he always seemed to be very settled at Genoa. I was just just used to seeing him at Genoa, and then for him to go to Atalanta was a bit odd. But 
I guess that's how it is in Serie A. They're always changing the coaches. And then perhaps in transfers, I I'm not really sure the third one. Uh, can I say if, if anyone else signs Iturbe in Serie A from Roma now that he's back there after his time at Bournemouth, he will be my third choice if he ends up going anywhere else. Nicholas, I'll pose the question to you as well. Who do you think are the three best signings thus far in Serie A this summer? Yeah, um, I think I've spoken about him before, so I have to agree with Luca about uh, Pjanic. Definitely um, such a force in that midfield. Um, Eva Beniga, Inter, I think that was just one of the best pickups that, um, of the season. Um, I think he'll provide so well for Icardi and even the wide men, uh, Perisic um, and Kondreva. So I, I think he'll he'll be a force this season. And um, I'll probably say, uh, obviously, Lapadula is. I think he's has the, a lot of potential. But in terms of tested um, players, I think Adam Lyich could be really exciting at Torino. Um, I think at times with Inter last season, he kind of looked the the most likely to create. So. I think um, he's going to be given a lot more opportunities with Torino, obviously, so it'll be really interesting to see what he can do. And Luke, I'd be dismissed if I didn't ask you, as since you are the resident Sampdoria fan here on the podcast, what, what are your expectations for Sampdoria this season? Uh, a new coach in there and uh, a disappointing end to last season as the club finished 15th? Yeah, I was pretty uh, negative, to be honest, and uh, pessimistic about it all, especially. Because um, when Gianpaolo uh, came in as coach in his first press conference, he was saying, I'm really looking forward to working with Joaquin Correa. He looks like a really good player, someone I'm really keen to see in training. And then I think about two days later, they sold him to Sevilla. So I guess he wasn't aware of that. But it, And then there's had all these other transfers where Soriano's gone. Uh, but they've brought in some decent seemingly decent young players in uh, Linetti, Schick and uh, Budimir from Crotone. And uh, there was a feature on that today by Vito Doria sort of about them trying to go down this youth route, which I think is to a large extent just a cost-cutting measure. They think that they are, that's enough to keep them in Serie A. But I think Gianpaolo did well at Empoli when a lot of people thought they were certain to go down after Sarri left. So I think, yeah, I think he deserves to be given some time. Perhaps that's not been given to Zenga or, well, Montella left of his own accord, but there's been a lot of turnover, perhaps giving these young players a chance, really showing faith in them could work out. But I think the best they could probably hope for is mid-table, but I think it could go either way and they could be in another relegation fight. Uh, Lucas, Massimo Ferraro, is he uh, kind of lost the uh, the luster of wanting to you know, keep investing in this team and, and uh, you know, his, is his interest gone? Um, I don't know because I think there's some people have doubts about how much money he's actually got or how much he's put into the team. I think there were some reports that it was actually the old owners funding the team even when he was the president that they were sort of just using him as a figurehead in a way to sort of lose the attention that they had on them so I think it's hard to say because obviously he's got this massive public persona and yeah I, he seems to I mean like if you follow him on Twitter he's always talking about Sampdorian but he has been getting a lot more stick from the fans and I think last season quite a lot of people wanted him gone they just started to think he was a clown and he was not 
good for the reputation of the club. But I think I don't really see him going anywhere. There's been talks of the Spezia owner coming in. I think he's supposed to be a Sampdoria fan, but I don't really see any changes in the ballroom coming immediately. Back to Twitter, gentlemen, just a couple more questions. And uh, we have one from at Francis underscore Cola. Uh, and he says, the fact Juventus are paying buyout clauses to lure top serial talent from rivals, is that good or bad for the league? And Nicholas, I'll let you take a crack at this one. Yeah, that's a difficult one. Um, <laughs> obviously, you want to see, um, you know, I guess some fans might not want to see other teams do well in Europe, but generally you want to see Serie A teams up there uh, competing against the best in Europe. So in that element, um, obviously there is that you want to see. It's hard. I can't say as an Inter fan that I want Juventus to be there, but, you know, you want Italian teams to be challenging the Real Madrid's, the Barcelona's of the world. So those kind of transfers are certainly helping, but... There's a big but to this, and a flip side is that, as we kind of touched with when we went through some of the other teams, you look through Roma, AC Milan, uh, Napoli, and you're not looking at really you're not looking at stronger teams this season. Generally, you want all these teams to be all generally improving each year, and it doesn't seem like when Juventus can just go in and and buy Higuain and Pjanic and um, you know, I'm not going to say buy the title, but I mean certainly secure it in a lot of uh, in a lot of in some manner. So um, it's it's not good for the competition side of things. It doesn't make for a, a commercial league, I guess. You know, you want it to be a bit more exciting. So um, you know, there are ups and downs to it. But generally, I think the best thing for the league is if those top five or six teams are all continually improving each year, getting stronger squads, getting more European experience and being more financially viable. So in that respect, I don't think it's necessarily the best thing. Unfortunately, I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, just curiosity, just because we, we've heard so much about the TV money in England with the English Premier League. Luca, has that money affected a lot of the mid-table teams uh, or the lower mid-table teams in Serie A this season? What, the, what, as in sort of English teams buying from Italy? Or? Yeah, we've seen Middlesbrough buy uh, Martin Darun from, from Atalanta. So has that money been you know, invested by those clubs to take away some of the, that good talent that would allow teams to maybe, you know, um, I guess we could say to compete with Juventus a little bit more? I think it's, I guess it's quite hard to say because I think Quite a lot of teams abroad from England think that they can get the most out of Premier League money and charge over inflated fees. But I think I don't think Darun went for very much money. And I guess that Atalanta haven't sort of spent loads of money on what they got for him. I think just these teams, I, don't, I think they're happy enough to sell in mid-table. They just want to balance the books. I think that's, that's all there really is to it. I think there is still quite a lot of money in Serie A, I think the domestic rights for Serie A when they sell to Sky Italia, Media Set, are like some of the highest in the world. It might even be more than the Premier League pay gets off Sky Sports in the UK. But I think just a lot of the mid-table teams, they don't want to qualify for the Europa League. They think that's going to just be expensive and jeopardise them for next year. They don't want to go down, so they'll just sell as many players as they can for as much money as they can and then just plug as many gap that show up with 
anyone who's half decent. It's not necessarily that they've got these grand master plans of how to reinvest their transfer fees. They're just trying to keep their head above water. Uh, Darun did go for £12 million to Middlesbrough uh, during the summer. And I, I can remember Connor Clancy crying into his uh, one of his <laughs> Atalanta jerseys at the time. So um, unfortunate for him. Um, guys, that's going to just about do it for us tonight. But just right before we go, uh, maybe a little prediction on the season. Um, is it Juventus's trophy already? Um, and um, if not, who do you think is going to uh, usurp them? Uh, unfortunately, I think, yeah, Juve will well and truly dominate this season. I don't... Um, I mean, last season, at least you had Napoli hanging on there for a while and it looked like it might go down to the wire um, you know, when it was January, February, um, obviously that uh, that narrow win for um, for Juventus with uh, Simone Zaza shot ended that. Um, but I don't I don't think we'll get anything like that this season. So um, I think Juventus will from the start this season. Obviously, they had that big lapse towards the start, which um, gave the likes of Inter and Fiorentina a bit of a shot at the top of the league. But I don't think we'll see that this season. So. Yep, I think uh, I think by Christmas time they'll have a a decent lead, and um, I, yeah, <laughs> as as doom and gloom as that sounds, I I think it's pretty much written. Yeah, I can't see beyond them unless they get some sort of horrific run of injuries to derail them. Because last season, up until January, people thought that. Inter or Fiorentina could win the league and that Juve were going to be out of it because they'd lost a few games in September but then they're just too strong their back line's too strong and now they've strengthened in places where they didn't even necessarily have this massive pressing need to strengthen so I just can't see anything other than them just winning the league again. Well I think that makes three of us picking Juventus to win the league this season. All right, guys uh, well, I just want to thank you for coming on tonight on the Forza Italian Football Serie A fan cast. And uh, for everyone, check out the website www.forzaitalianfootball.com to check out all the views and news from people like Luca and from Nicholas, and as well as uh, Vito Doria mentioned earlier. Guys, thanks for coming on tonight. And uh, I guess that means Arrivederci. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Italian Football Fancast. Visit us at ForzaItalianFootball.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.